get away from her, you bitch! And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. Ian Freeze! Got the cat! Dear Sam Hibbert. I'll be throwing one of these in with every purchase of 500 million or more. To peace. Welcome back to DMR. Thank you for tuning back in. As always, much obliged. It's Monday morning and it's time for a new episode 95 episodes. We are on the home stretch in terms of getting to the 100th episode. But today I'm going to be doing a general episode, general episodes. I used to do these when the podcast started, basically giving a variety of different topics to talk about so we can mix things up a bit as opposed to just one topic. So let's go ahead and do that. And I think for the coming episodes, I might do a top five countdown in terms of my movies. So... Number five was basically Jurassic Park. I've already done kind of one for that, so might skip that and go on to number four. But before we kick off with this episode, let's look at a sharp-looking suit from MJ Bale. All right, so we've got the Torbett Jacket Slim Fit. This is a cool-looking suit. It says it's light blue, but I've got one, an MJ Bale suit, that is, which is grey with like a blue lining through it. looks very cool. Created from 100% Australian superfine merino wool, the Torbett jacket is woven from pure merino wool in a super 110 and is cut to our slim fit. It features natural shoulders, notch lapels, and is fully lined. This will be a great addition for your MJ Bale collection. So make sure you use the link in the show, jump on their website, and check out all their fantastic gear. All right, so I saw a poster recently for Beetlejuice 2. Very, very simple poster. So if you're not familiar with Beetlejuice, go back and watch it. I think it came out in 1989. I'll watch this movie over and over again. Dark comedy, Tim Burton film, great film about a couple that basically die in a tragic accident. When they die, their spirits or their ghosts, they are ghosts, so they've taken back to their house, and it's an old country-type home. And basically, they don't realize they're dead for a little bit. Then they find a book that says the handbook for the recently deceased, and they start to read it. And then go down to this kind of limbo area where they've got all different types of people that have died in different types of ways. Very cool show. And then what they do, they come back, and the house is basically sold to an annoying family. There is a young daughter named Lydia, played by Winona Ryder. She's a good chick in the movie she can see them because she's quite dark herself but her parents are very very annoying so the two couple or the couple basically need to get rid or scare these people out of their house the parents that is but they become friends with the kid and they turn to a guy that they fully didn't understand very similar to the joker ironically it does actually look like the joker somewhat this character which is beetlejuice played by michael keaton so he is a bio-exorcist, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like a priest for ghosts or demons or whatever. So his job is to come in and get rid of people for ghosts that are haunting a particular house that can't get it done themselves. So a bit of a complex storyline. So very funny in parts. 
again, dark Tim Burton film, some pretty unique visuals in the movie. Very, very cool stuff. So if you haven't seen it, go back and check it out. So they've got a number two coming out. So the poster that came out, very, very simple. So it was basically Beetlejuice sitting in line when they last left him in the waiting room in that limbo area. He's got millions and millions of numbers ahead of him to wait. And the middle number was the date when it was going to be released. Very, very simple poster, but it works. It works very well. So hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed that they don't stuff this up because it's been a very long time since this movie came out. It's very similar to Top Gun where basically you've got a very long time between drinks and they could very easily stuff it up. But Top Gun Maverick was a good example of how you do a sequel when you've had a very long time before the original came out. So I feel that the second one for Top Gun Maverick was better than the first. Very, very rare in this day and age to have a sequel that will top the first, like the movie Terminator 2, Judgment Day. And you've also got Aliens as well. It's probably an unpopular opinion where you've got Back to the Future movies like... The second one, Back to the Future 2, I prefer that over the first. Prefer that over the first, yes. So a lot of people probably won't agree with me there. But sequels, if they're done right, they can smash it out of the park. Some examples where they don't do it right, you've got Zoolander, you've got Dumb and Dumber, way too long between the first ones. They come out, they pump them, they try to be bigger and better than the first, and they just fall flat because a lot of people like the original. So... Hopefully, it will be good. Sometimes less is more, and hopefully they don't over-pump it, over-cook it, and they just keep it simple. So if Tim Burton is behind the steering wheel on that one, hopefully it will be a good movie. All right, so I kind of stick to movies and series for this podcast. It's what I do. It's what I do. But sometimes I'll veer off and talk about entertainment news in general, so... Tay-Tay, Swifty, Swiftos. Does anyone else understand the hype around this singer? Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I feel that her music is very cookie-cutter. There are artists out there that I think are a hell of a lot better, like Pink. Okay, so Pink basically, I haven't seen one of her shows, but I've seen footage of her shows where she's basically shooting herself out over the crowd in suspensions or in cables. Okay, so that's basically, that's bang for your buck. But she's coming here to Australia and Pink's music is different to Taylor Swift's. So is music like Beyonce and Madonna. All those I understand, right? So they're big divas or whatever you want to call them. They've got unique music. I understand that. But the hype around Swift, I just don't understand. Like, the Super Bowl is on today, which hopefully I'll get to watch a bit of. But it's just nuts. Like, why is there so much hype around this singer? Like, I just don't get it. Like, I've heard her songs and it sounds like every female pop artist that's come out in the 1980s and has basically stuck around and is a great success. Swift is, that I mean. The other people that have come out since the late 80s, 90s, early 2000s, whatever, all come and gone and all kind of sounds similar. I don't know. It might be just my opinion, but the hype around her, I feel, is just way, way too much. What do you think? 
All right, so I've started watching Masters of the Air on Apple, starring Austin Butler and Barry Keoghan. Again, I'm probably butchering this guy's name. I always say that, but Keoghan. 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 Barry Keoghan. There you go. So Masters of the Air, I think it's directed by Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks. So it comes off the back of Band of Brothers and also the Pacific, the Pacific, that is, about stories of World War II. So this is about the guys that basically fly the bombers, the air raids that happened during World War II. It's rated MA15+. So I'm a World War II buff. I studied modern history at school. And I just think that what took place in World War II was just insane. You cannot make it up. It's, it seems fictional when you look back at it. So I just think that for someone like the Germans and the Nazi Party to get to that particular level, and they almost won. They almost basically won the war. So it was looking very, very shaky for a good while until America joined the war. So they took over France very, very quickly. It fell in six weeks. They started to bomb London as well. It was looking quite dark. Another good movie as well to watch during that time, the early stages of the war, was the film with Gary Oldman in it about Winston Churchill if you haven't seen it, it's called The Darkest Hour off the top of my head. The Darkest Hour or Darkest Hour, I think it is. So go back and watch that crack of a film, just actually how hard it really was for the British to basically stand up to a tyrant. But I'm getting a little bit sidetracked here. So Masters of the Air follows these young American guys basically set up into the air to do bombing raids in their planes over different targets in Europe and France. So so the first two episodes, really, really enjoy it. Really, really enjoy it. I think it's very well done. I think the graphics in it are very good and how they've actually shot it, very similar to the film Killers of the Flower Moon, where it's set back in the 1940s, obviously, but everything looks new. Everything looks new, especially if you go into the fuselage of the planes where you've got the gunners that are inside the planes and they've got their machine guns with the bullets that are all kind of hooked up to it, ready to go. It all looks brand new and sparkling. So I imagine it would have looked the same back in the day. So I'm liking it so far. I would recommend it and go and check that one out. It's a pretty good cracker of a World War II show. So I've also started to watch the new season of True Detective with Jodie Foster in it set in Alaska, where basically the whole thing is just shot at night. So if you haven't watched any of the series for True Detective, go back and check them out. The first one had Woody Harrelson in it and Matt McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. So... Very cool shows. The second season had Vince Vaughn in it. Not bad. Wasn't as impactful as the first. And then you had the third season with Colin Farrell in it as well with Rachel McAdams, I think it is. I think that's the last name. 
So that season was probably better than the second one. So this one has got my attention right away. So it's set in Alaska again, and it's all set at night during their basically dark time, where I think it's like is it six months where they've got no light, no light. I don't know how the hell people live there. Like they've actually picked up and chosen to go out and live in an area like that where there is no sun for six months. It is wild. Just the thought of it is very, very wild. So interesting, interesting. But basically we're into the second episode. I haven't finished the second episode, but it's shot around a exclusive facilities lab where they're getting chunks of ice and trying to find out the origins of humanity, I think. And the guys that are running it are quite recluse. But this show has a bit of a supernatural theme to it. The others didn't. The others were just horrific crimes. This one's definitely got some type of supernatural thing to it. It's almost like American Horror Story. American Horror Story. That's what it kind of felt like watching these episodes to kick off with. So... Something happens to the crew in this, and Jodie Foster is one of the main cops in the town, and it's up to her to basically find out what went down in this particular lab and go from there. So it's all kind of unraveling. So the cinematography in it thus far is very, very cool. I like how it's all set up, especially at night. So something is set at night. Obviously, it's going to be pretty grim and gritty, especially when it's all snowing and whatnot in the town that they're in so good show thus far so i recommend you jump on that one and dmr media was on channel 9 news again last night for the ninth time the ninth time so thank you to channel 9 for airing my drone footage so if you don't know, or if you do know me, you'll know that I am a big drone enthusiast. I picked up my first drone in, when was it, May last year for work and then basically started to do it as recreational on the weekends and basically filming a whole heap of stuff, the Blue Mountains, got a whole heap of humpback whales during whale season, some just epic things that you can do with these drones. I've now got a system called or a program called Adobe Premiere Pro where you can slow things down, make it look nice and smooth, slow-mo, speed things up, make it into a time-lapse, if you will. But basically, yes, it is very, very addictive. If you haven't got a drone and you're thinking about getting one, I would highly recommend that you do because it is very, very addictive. And once you start, you can't stop. And again, this is not some type of bad addiction. It's basically being creative and getting out there and capturing moments that humans aren't supposed to see. That's the best way I can describe it. Whilst you can see a whale breaching a kilometre away from the land, but once you're over a whale and its calf breaching, that is a whole different ballgame, people whole different ball game so the little drone only weighs about 249 grams this is an entry-level drone as well so this am in a big bang of big bangers are like four or six grand the dji mavics but this is only a small one which is a dji mini 2 se very very compact this thing but again it's not the size of the drone it's how you use it right so 
because I can get creative up there and find the angles and find the items to basically or whales or whatever I'm shooting to capture. It's all about how you use it in your imagination. Then the other side of it as well is coming back and editing it. So a very cool little sport. Again, thank you to Nine for airing that footage. Much appreciated. I do appreciate everything that they've done. And it's a good bit of free press out there in the world. So thank you. All right. So a few movie trailers came out today that I caught. One of them was the follow-up film for Twister, which is Twister's plural. So this movie originally, Twister, came out in 1996. It starred Bill Paxton, RIP. Good actor, that guy. Very good actor. And it also started Helen Hunt as well. So what it was back then was basically a group of storm chasers were basically chasing tornadoes. And what they had to do was get a device called Dorothy, named after Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, because she got picked up by a tornado and basically ended up in the land of Oz. But they nicknamed the device after her. And in the device was hundreds of little devices that were supposed to basically get in the way or be placed in the way of a tornado. The lid was supposed to open and all these little devices were supposed to get up into the tornado collecting data for each section of the tornado so they could have better warning systems. So I think if memory serves, there were five twisters in the original. Awesome movie. You haven't seen it, go back. It's a very old movie. So if you're a young buck or lass and you haven't seen it, it is still worth a watch. I do love it when it comes on the screen because when it came out, it was mid-90s, and when I was in primary school, I had a phobia of storms. So this movie didn't help. It also didn't help as well that I was caught in a mini cyclone and an actual cyclone around that age as well so yeah that doesn't really help phobias really but you overcome that obviously when you get older but i wonder how this will go without bill paxton obviously he's passed away and if helen hunt will be actually in the movie the trailer looks quite good not majorly jumping out at me in terms of like oh yeah it's going to be an absolute game changer but again with sequels as i mentioned a bit earlier in this episode is that Hopefully they don't have some galactic monster twister that comes down from space and just tries to outdo everyone. Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully they keep it simple. It does look very similar to the original where they've got Dorothy basically trying to get her into the tornado. I don't know the reasons why that would happen because they already did that in the first one, unless this is a reboot. It's not set in the 90s because there's those big wind turbines or generating wind power turbine things that you see out in the countryside so yes it'll be interesting to see what they do with it so there have been plenty of reboots over the years you've got films like scream scream aren't going too bad actually scream aren't going too bad so i thought the recent installments for scream were quite good quite good the one in new york was pretty good i really enjoyed that one so hopefully with this particular film, they don't go down that rabbit hole and hopefully it doesn't attract a bad case of sequel-itis. And the other trailer that I saw today that came out was 
the kingdom of the planet of the apes. Such a mouthful of a movie, really. Seriously. So the first three came out a number of years ago. It was Rise of the Planet of the Apes. War of the Planet of the Apes is the third one. And it could have been, I can't remember what the middle one was. Anyway, I felt that the middle one was superior to the other two. So the sequel was better in my opinion. The first one was good because it basically showed us how all the chimps and apes basically came to be with the simian flu virus, I think it was. Basically wiped out everyone so they had genetically engineered chimps where they increased their intelligence. And by the end of the first one, Caesar, the main chimp in the movie, basically started to talk, started a revolution and got out of the lab and freed basically all of his colleagues or his other inmates in the zoo being all the chimps, orangutans, gorillas and all that, started a revolution and it all ended up on the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge and good movie, good start to a new chapter. Then the second one basically was when civilization fell. So that was pretty cool. It had the, the virus took over the majority of the planet, wiped out basically all of humanity. There are a couple left over and the apes are basically living in the forest and humans still collide with them. However, it's a lot less scaled down because humanity basically tore itself apart when the flu hit. So it was also similar to the COVID outbreak. So when that actually started, it reminded me of this movie, not that it had anything to do with chimps, well, we don't know. started in the wet markets in Wuhan or apparently a lab. Who knows? Who knows where it started? No, I don't think you will ever know where that thing actually started. So we will never probably know. So good start to the film. The third one was The War of the Planet of the Apes, and it wrapped up with Woody Harrelson. I like the ending as well. So they're all good three of them. All three of them were good movies. So... This one is the kingdom of the planet of the apes. So this is definitely set years after the last events. I don't know how many. It could be a whole new group of people. It looks like time has definitely gone on and people have evolved and whatnot. So Caesar is well and truly dead. Spoiler alert, that is well and truly dead. So he's not coming back. And it looks like we are back where it started with was it Charlton Heston, I think, in the original. I haven't seen the full versions of the ones that came out in the 70s or the 80s. But there was one in between, actually, that came out with Mark Wahlberg. I actually quite liked that. Had Tim Roth as the main chimp or the villain in the movie. Jeez, if you haven't seen how Tim Roth is in that film, go back and check that one out. He is a monster, how they've done him in that film. Crazy, crazy makeup or CGI or however they shot it. But incredible film, incredible villain as well. Maybe not incredible film, but definitely incredible villain. So that came out in the early 2000s, I think it was. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Again, the trailer was pretty good to watch, but it jumped, didn't jump out at me as in like I'm super excited for this particular film. But we will see. It's a new chapter. It's a new section of this storytelling. Hopefully it doesn't go down the same route as Jurassic World and then making a seventh film for that. As I mentioned, they shouldn't do that. So there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. So let's see how we go. So thank you for tuning in to this general edition of DMR. A lot of bang for your buck there. And as always, leaders on the men, Jay. I almost had him. I almost had him.
Yeah, stutter and prick yet. You just experienced DMR, the red carpet treatment. Look, but don't touch. Touch, but don't taste. Taste, don't swallow. <laughs> and this is how I met Tyler Durden. Did you know if you mixed equal parts of gasoline and frozen orange juice concentrate, you can make napalm? Uh, Cole, before you go, will you tell Miss Lower goodbye? D do what now? I said tell Miss Lower goodbye. Bye, Miss Lower. <laughs>